This morning, Matthew 25, beginning in verse 14. For it is as if a man going on a journey summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. The one who had received the five talents went off at once and traded with them and made five more talents. In the same way, the one who had the two talents made two more talents. But the one who had received the one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. Then the one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you handed over to me five talents. See, I have made five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You've been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one with the two talents also came forward, saying, Master, you handed over to me two talents. See, I have made two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Then the one who had received the one talent also came forward, saying, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master replied, You wicked and lazy slave, you knew, did you, that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I did not scatter? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And on my return, I would have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one with the ten talents. For to all those who have, more will be given and they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. As for this worthless slave, throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the word of God for the people of God. So last Sunday, this Sunday, and next Sunday, we have these final three parables that Matthew records Jesus telling his disciples before he turns to the events of the last week in the life of Christ. They all offer striking contrast. Last week, it was wise and foolish. This week, trustworthy and untrustworthy. Next week, doers versus non-doers plus they all describe harsh outcomes for those on the wrong side of the equation it escalates from week to week last week a door was closed this week one is going to be thrown into the outer darkness or out of the group next week we're run onto the phrase eternal punishment this is intense teaching this is an intense time in the life of Christ. You'll remember if you've been with us that these stories are building as Jesus is leading his disciples to Jerusalem. He's been telling them that he expects to be arrested, tortured, and put to death. He's told them three times already that they're moving toward the cross. In a sense, he's saying to his disciples, it's decision time. 
Things are going to get worse. Are you ready to go to the cross or not? Are you ready to walk this path I'm leading you on or not? Now, I haven't faced death thrust upon someone by a ruthless foreign government, but I have faced death a few times in my life. When I was only seven years old, my mother was diagnosed with tuberculosis. Decades ago, treatment not great. The best they could do is say, we're going to send her away to a sanitarium, rest and fresh air, and a little bit of medicine. And we hope she recovers, but the prognosis was not good. I can tell you being seven years old and hearing the news that your mom is going away and may not return is pretty intense. Or when I was 17, I went in the hospital for routine surgery, supposed to be in a couple of nights back at school on Monday. On Saturday, Saturday night, after I'd contracted blood poisoning, the doctors told my parents not to expect me to live through the night. Now, I'd slipped into a coma, so I didn't know what was going on. But my family tells me, it was pretty tense in the family waiting room. Or then in my early 20s, my father was diagnosed with cancer. And it began to eat away at his body. Again, decades ago, medicine not able to do as much. Within a few months, his ravaged body succumbed to death. Some of you have had that experience of watching someone you love be taken away by disease. It's a sobering and intense experience. Jesus and his disciples are facing death. Facing death is intense. Especially if you're in a situation where you know or you're expecting the people who will arrest you and put you to death have designed it in such a way to increase your suffering. So Jesus is telling these parables to his disciples. He's hoping will follow him to the end about making some hard decisions on which side they're going to be on. The key contrast here is between trustworthy and untrustworthy. The difference hinges on fear. The parable says the difference hinges on fear. The fellow who hid his talent in the ground confesses, I was afraid. I was afraid. The first two are entrusted with these enormous amounts of money, and they immediately jump into action, begin to trade and invest. And grow the gift that they have received. They both double the gift. But the third person, given the one talent, is afraid. And you see the power of fear to paralyze in this parable. He goes and hides the gift in the ground. He buries the treasure that's been entrusted to him. And people then and people now... Even if you're not a certified financial planner, know 
that if you bury the money in the ground, no chance for growth. You have to trade, you have to invest, you have to work at it. You might have to take some risk if you're going to grow the gift. And I think Jesus uses this financial illustration, but he wants to talk about more than just money here. I think he wants to talk about faith. What if the talents that he speaks about, what if the talents have further meaning in the realm of faith and discipleship? It's helpful to remember this whole section of teaching with all these parables started back in verse 1 of chapter 25 when Jesus says, Then the kingdom of heaven will be like this. And then he begins to tell these stories about the kingdom of heaven. Now the kingdom of heaven is living your life in alignment with God's life or God's call on your life. If we are children of God, then we all have a call upon our lives. Not just those who have accepted a call into ordained ministry or some kind of specialized mission service, but all of us, the Gospels say, have a call from Christ upon our lives. The word Jesus uses in this parable is entrusted this gift of faith is entrusted to us to grow it. So it seems to me that this parable being told on the way to the crucifixion is most likely about enduring faith, investing in faith, investing in others. The idea here is that we've been given this gift and through our discipleship, we can receive the grace of God, that we can grow in love and grace, and that we can share this with others, and the faith will grow. You have been given a gift, this parable says. It's been entrusted to you. And the question comes, what shall we do with the faith that we have received? Should we hide it? Should we bury it? Should we just put it in the ground and forget about it or act like we're just holding on to what we have been given? Should we act out of fear or out of faith? Right after the one who had the one talent said, I was afraid, it moves from just being afraid to the master saying, that he is a lazy and wicked slave or servant. It's an intense response. I think it's similar, though, to what Jesus says when he first begins to teach, as Matthew records it, back in the fifth chapter when Jesus goes public with his teaching and what we know as the Sermon on the Mount. He says some very similar things but without this level of intensity. See if you hear these same parallels. Chapter 5, verse 14, when Jesus is teaching, he says, You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. 
You hear those similar themes of not hiding the gift, but letting it shine, letting it bless all in the house or any with whom you might come into contact with. Well, in the same sermon, the Sermon on the Mount goes all the way over into chapter 7. While Jesus is still speaking, he says this, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road is easy that leads to destruction, and there are many who take it. For the gate is narrow and the road is hard that leads to life, and there are few who find it. Again, we are given this gift to use. And then later in that same chapter, as Jesus comes to the end of this Sermon on the Mount, he says these words, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on rock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was its fall. You hear this idea that you've been given a gift and it makes a difference what you do with it, how you use it or utilize it. The parable seems to ask the question, what do we do with the gift? Hide it or bury it? And the parable answers a resounding no, but rather says just the opposite. Take action. Utilize what you have been given. Build upon the gift. This parable, even though harsh, is to be an encouragement to those people of faith who are facing hard times to remember that God is with them, that God has blessed them, that God has given them a gift, and they have opportunity to utilize it, to grow it, to invest it in others and bless the world through it. Can you imagine your life as an enormous gift that God has given you and you have received it and you know it's wrapped in love and grace and now you get to decide what am I going to do with the gift? What will you do with it? What has become of your faith since you received it? Has it grown? Have you invested it in the kingdom of heaven as Jesus talks about it today? Has it been invested in others? Can you think of some small things you could do to invest more in the growth of your faith or invest in a way that grows faith in others? Those are the questions the parable is asking. The good news comes in the response from the master in both cases with the people who've invested the gift. You heard it, the same words in verse 21 and again in verse 23. The master says, well done, good and trustworthy slave. You've been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. 
this whole idea that we can grow in faith, we can grow in discipleship, we can grow in love and grace is built into the narrative of the Gospels. Growth is possible. You can move from wherever you are right now and grow in faith, grow in discipleship, grow in your stewardship, grow in your service to others. Paul talks about this when he writes to the early Christians in several of his letters. I want to just look at 1 Corinthians 13. He's writing to these early Christians who are struggling to be the body of Christ, to be faithful as they live through difficult times. He says this to him, when I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became an adult, I put an end to childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know only in part, then I will know fully, even as I've been fully known. And now faith, hope, and love abide, these three and the greatest of these is love. And often when we read, we stop right there. But I want you to hear the very next sentence. Paul goes on to say, pursue love and strive for the spiritual gifts. Again, it's the idea that God has given us a gift and we can grow. We can strive. We can pursue. We can do better. And God will help us as we go. Christians believe in growth. It's important from time to time to stop and look at our faith, look at our lives, and ask ourselves, am I growing? Am I investing in my faith? Have I invested in the lives or the faith of others? I could tell you story after story of people who come to this church and after being here a while say, that they're finding a place, either a small group or a Sunday school class or through worship, through Bible study, that is helping them grow. You can see the joy on their faith, on their face, as they talk about their faith and how because they're a part of the Boston Avenue Church, they're growing in their faith. One woman asked me if she could have manuscripts of my sermons. She said, these are really helping me. I think they would really help my children as well. Could you send me some copies so I could send them on? She's investing in her faith and investing in the faith of others. We've had more requests than ever since COVID has struck of people wanting to be in small groups and Bible studies, wanting copies of the sermons. It's a sign I think they want to go deeper so they might grow deeper roots in the faith to help them navigate these difficult days. Finally, one of the great times I see us growing in faith is right at the end of October as we finish our stewardship campaign on that last Sunday of the month as people are bringing their pledge cards or coming to get a token of the pledge campaign this year was the little bunny reminding us of Barrington Bunny and how he realized he was connected to all the animals in the forest and that inspired him to give, give gifts, to share the gifts he had with others. But when I see you coming, I don't know if you can see it from your side, but when I'm standing down here, I can see the smiles on the faces, the joy of people coming with their commitments to God. 
it's an amazing thing to see all of you moving at one time as we're singing praises to God and you're making your commitment to God as we trust that God is indeed leading us into the future. We're saying to one another, we can trust each other and we can trust God to lead us into the future and mission and ministry into the new year. And I think when those kinds of things happen, we should hear echoing in our ears the answer from the Master, well done, good and trustworthy servants. You've been trustworthy in a few things, I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. May it be so. Amen. And thanks be to God.